Welcome back to Gal on the Go Unplugged. My guest today is Coach G, a.k.a. Jillian, owner of G-Max Burr Coaching. Coach G comes to us from Canada by way of Scotland. No, today's episode is not about hockey. Jillian is a running coach who offers individualized plans and helps train those new to running, returning runners, and those focused on a specific running event. I met Coach G a few years ago when we were both training for a Lululemon Seaweeds half marathon. I was immediately drawn to her quirky, joyful realness. Hey, Coach G. Hey, what a lovely intro. <laughs> yes, I'm not talking about ice hockey. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on Unplugged today. Uh, I cannot wait to share about you with uh, our listeners. So let's get into it and give them some of your background. Now, you began with a goal of running a 5K and it organically evolved into you becoming a running coach. Can you share your journey with us? For sure. So, yeah, I I was your kind of standard kid and I didn't move my body much at all. When there was a physical education classes at school, I was the kid faking period pains or injuries to get out of movement. I did not want to move my body. And that progressed into my 20s, early 30s. And it wasn't until I moved to Canada in 2014 when everybody just seemed to be out moving their body, even in the height of winter. And I saw a lot of runners in my neighborhood and I thought, huh, I could run. It's cheap or free, which it's totally not. But it, <laughs> it, like I, I thought that this would be a good a good way to get movement into my life. Like they, the runners looked like they were having so much fun. They were smiling, even though it was cold and windy and snowy. It's like I want that. I want that. So 20, uh, 2015, I set myself a New Year's resolution of getting fit and healthy and part of that was to run a 5k so I had no idea what I was doing I didn't have any friends I could ask I didn't know of any hashtag running community I didn't have any books or blogs I I was coming in completely fresh to running I would uh, set my schedule for three runs a week regardless of the weather I would sometimes wear my work clothes underneath my running sweats oh to my keep God. myself warm. <laughs> like I'd wear my pantyhose or my cotton t-shirt that I wore under my, my sweater at work. I had no idea, no idea. And I would run until I couldn't breathe anymore. I would stop. I wouldn't even do walk and runs. I would just stop, get my breathing back. I'd be bright red. It was, you would think it would have made me stop running, but there was just something about it, the, the constant get, being able to run further, being able to run a little bit faster, my breathing being a bit more under control. And it just, it took me over. And I ran the 5K race in May. And I, that was just a whole other experience. I then got home, signed up for a 10K in August, September. I then did a half marathon in October. The following year, I ran a marathon. So you can 
A hundred percent. I I caught the bug. I love how it's me against me, and I'm just moving my own body. I'm able to explore neighborhoods, and I just I love it. It's a really good form of movement, and it just snowballed into me becoming a coach when I wanted to learn more about it, more than what I was reading, more than what I was listening to. So I did a coaching qualification to purely for my own information. I wasn't planning on being a coach, but I did it just so then I knew when I was creating training plans for myself that I was doing it correctly. And same went with nutrition. I did a nutrition course purely so I then knew how to fuel my own body, how I was being healthy from the inside out. And it just once again snowballed into me finding something that I was so passionate about. I absolutely loved And now I do it full time and I absolutely love it. (laughs) I love that. I love it because it became something that started as a passion that you grew organically and and it's still a passion, but just in a different way. That's really cool. And I, I love what you said about like you felt like you were competing against yourself. And I think that's so important because, you know, I feel like it's really good to look to others you know, for challenges, but truly, you know, for long-term success, I think you really do have to focus on just competing against yourself um, so that you control, you know, how you want to take it to the next level and the next level. Absolutely. I think absolutely look at others for inspiration, look at others for, to see, what's possible but don't look at others and think oh I'm not as fast as them or I could never run that distance use it for inspiration only but it is it's it's always me against me it's me waking up in the morning and showing up for myself how best I possibly can and not allowing outside influence in and just enjoying the process. And I'm not an elite runner. I'm not competing to win Boston. So like, I'm not competing against anybody else. When I'm racing, it's always me against me. It's me of today against me of yesterday. And how can I be at least 1% better today than I was yesterday? That's it. That's, that's as simple as it is. I absolutely love that. And I think that's why I was so drawn to you. First of all, you're like so fun, you know, um, and your smile just absolutely lights everything up. Um, Mm -hmm. And for those who, you know, won't be able to see it through the podcast audio, when they go check out your Instagram, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And, you know, And that's what I think makes you so incredible too. Like one of the many things because of the fact that you say, I'm not like some super elite runner. I'm doing it for me. I'm learning along the way. I'm sharing what I learn with others. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me is just, is what is so relatable, I feel, versus like those packaged, more fake things that we see a lot of times online. Um, Yeah, I am definitely a middle-of-the-pack runner at best, depending on whether it's a good day or not. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I've had setbacks. I've had a lot of injuries. Um, I'm just coming off of what's felt like a forever sickness, like I'm maybe five weeks in, and I've barely done any movement. And so I think 
my experiences really help when I'm coaching as well, because I, I've experienced all the injuries <laughs> that you could possibly have. I've had all those setbacks. I've pushed through when I shouldn't have pushed through. So I used my experience as that middle of the pack runner and help support my athletes, my, my clients. Um, cause yes. Like you said, I'm kind of just sharing what I'm learning as I go. And I'm not an expert who who is really. Like everything is constantly changing and evolving in science and new, new this, new that, and the other. I'm as up to date as I can be on things. And I just, yeah, I'm constantly learning and sharing. Well, to that point, okay. So what was one of the hardest things that you've gone through physically so far that you've had to recover from that you could share about that experience? Interest, let's, let's talk about seaweeds, given that that's how we, we connect. <laughs> so I, coming up to the seaweeds half marathon race, I was in a really good fitness space. I was in a lot of cross training. I was doing a lot of running, but I started getting some niggles that I kept running through. Um, I did see a physio, I did see a massage therapist, but it just it still was just there, just on my kind of calf shin area. I kept running. Silly, I shouldn't have, I should have taken some rest and recovery. Um, but I kept kept pushing. And I got to the race convinced that I would get my personal best. But it was a pretty miserable race day. It was very rainy, very wet, and had been for days leading up to it. It's typical Vancouver weather sometimes. And I, for the first couple of K, I was on track for that PB, and I was pushing and pushing and pushing. And then suddenly I couldn't push anymore, and I had so much pain in my foot and my leg that there were tears, there was heartache, there was drama. It was, oh. um, it was all like really that should have been my first DNF. Do not, did not finish. That should, I should have tapped out. But the the competitor in me didn't want to quit. I wanted to finish. I'd seen what the medals looked like. I really wanted that medal. And I kept going and I got was very, very injured. I couldn't walk after that race. Um, I pretty much walked the last half. Um, and that led to me not being able to walk for quite a few weeks after that race. I could not put weight down, weight down on my foot. I wow. saw many specialists and uh, nobody had a uh, a definitive answer of what I'd done to my foot. But it, it's hard. It's so hard when mentally you're you know that you can do this, that this is this is your race, or you, that you're able to, to do these things, and your body is like, nah, not today. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. It's so hard. And when running is such a big part of your life. Or movement is such a big part of your life to then not be able to move from the sofa for weeks. It really helps, it really affects you mentally. Um, but that experience, that's that's been one of my worst injuries that I've ever had. That experience has taught me so much about listening to my body, pushing when I need to push, pulling back when I need to pull back, and not 
not treating my body as though it will just keep going, keep going, keep going, because it won't. You need to wait a minute. You're not a machine. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I wish it's, it's so hard. And when clients go through injuries, it's just reminding them that it's temporary, that this isn't the end of their running career, that it's just rest, recover, listen to your body, do what you need to do to continuously just add that water into that health jar to constantly take steps to, to feeling better and know that running is always going to be there. It's always going to be there. Don't don't fret and just get yourself healthy again and a, a new season will come along and you'll be out running again. Well, I, I, I like that positive outlook because, you know, I'm always looking for the positive side of things. Mm-hmm. And to, okay, to that point, so, you know, a new season is coming, right? So mm-hmm. we are approaching that new season and that's winter and you mm-hmm. are in Canada. So, you know, I can't resist asking mm-hmm. in the winter time, you know, the, the, the wind, the cold, there's so many different challenging aspects to that season, mm-hmm. that time of year. Um, what? motivates you to get out and run and those really cold days for me it's not only like if i'm training for a race then that is enough to get me outside if i have paid the the dollars to run a spring race or even run a summer race then that is what's going to get me out because i know that if i don't train sufficiently then i won't achieve the goals that i want to achieve But if I don't have a race, I do it because it makes me feel good, not only physically, but mentally as well. The benefits that I get from moving my body outweigh how cold or snowy it could be outside. Now, granted, there are times where I don't run outside, like if it's thunder and lightning, if it's a whiteout, or if it's boiling hot. Obviously not in winter time, but <laughs> those are the kind of three that I wouldn't run outside. But for most other rain, wind, snow, even ice, I typically go outside and I love I love being outside. I would much rather go for a run outside than go to a treadmill in a in a gym. I want to be outside in as much nature as I possibly can live in downtown Toronto. But um, just I want to enjoy being outside. I want to enjoy moving my body. And if that means slowing the pace down because it's icy or snowy, slippy underfoot, then then so be it. But I'm, I'm definitely driven to just keep moving and just remember why I'm doing it. Like what, why is it important to me mentally and physically to, to move my body, to move outside and and not to to shy away from extreme weather. Well, to that point, okay, of how you adjust based on the conditions, um, can you share with listeners like how you train differently or if you train differently for winter and do you adjust like the types of gear you wear and use? Yeah, so I'll just put it out there to begin with that everybody is different. So what I'm doing doesn't necessarily mean that it's perfect for everyone. You need to really do what's right for you. Because obviously I'm in Canada, 
the winter in Toronto is completely different to the winter in Vancouver Island and it's completely different to the winter in Nova Scotia and it'll be completely different for everyone everywhere and for me slowing down is one of the key considerations for running when it's icy snowy really cold um because although you are running slower because it's slippier underfoot or you're kind of navigating mounds of snow even though you're running slower your body is still compensating for that because it's constantly trying to keep you upright so you might end up finding that after uh, a run your back maybe hurts a little bit more or your core hurts a little bit more or maybe your butt hurts a little bit more because those muscles have constantly been trying to stabilize you to stop you slipping so slowing down doesn't mean that you're not giving it all your body is still working really hard so slowing down is one of my key key things for for winter running um and in terms of gear Again, it's completely personal to you. How how long you're running outside during the winter? Do you do some treadmill runs? Do you do some in, outdoor runs? Um, are you out for a long time? How extreme is the weather? So your gear really depends on you. For me, um, I actually this morning just replaced my summer gear for my winter gear just to get out of storage. So for me, it's layers. Lots of layers. Um, so typically I'll wear like a t-shirt, then a long sleeve t-shirt, and then maybe a quarter zip pullover. And that's typically what I'd wear on top. And then on bottom, ideally wearing tights that go all the way down to my socks. So I've not got any any leg skin on show. Um, <laughs> I do have one pair of leggings that are thermal lined, which is for extremely cold days, but I don't wear them particularly often. Um, and then socks that come up to my tights so I don't have like I said any skin showing but ultimately I want to be warm when I'm out on my runs but mindful that I could take layers off if need be but then also if I'm then slowing down or walking I can I've got enough layers that I can I'm not going to get too cold um, obviously a hat and gloves are an absolute must even if I'm out for a walk at the moment it's a hat and gloves <laughs> one of those I can't have cold ears but again it's really what what works best for you and um, that might be you want to have um, the ice picks on the bottom of your shoes the the crampons you might want to have a waterproof windproof outer layer you might want to have some thermal um, layers or maybe not I see regularly see people in shorts <laughs> in shorts that's got to be Canadians in their Canadian element. <laughs> it is. <laughs> they drink maple syrup for their fuel. Their <laughs> yes, they. Um... Hey, I like that. <laughs> so it is. It's it's completely up to you. But for me, it is. It's all about the layers. And I typically would do my warm up inside rather than getting outside when it's freezing cold, doing my warm up outside and then running, I will do it inside. And I, because you've got all those layers on, I will do my warm up to the point where my skin is starting to feel a little bit tacky because I'm, I'm getting a little bit sweaty. Then I'll go outside just to ensure that 
my body temperature is high before the cold blast gets me when I leave outside. But just know that you will adjust. You'll be fine in terms of once you get running because your temperature naturally goes up anyway when you run. So as long as you're warm for that short period between kind of starting and kind of getting into your groove, as long as you're like okay with maybe being cold for a few minutes, then you'll hopefully be fine. And if not, then it's just data to know for your next run what more you need to put on. I love it. I, I appreciate the fact that you weren't just like, oh, throw on a winter coat and throw on like a big fuzzy hat. And, you know, um, I, I really value that you were like, it's just up to you. And I find it really interesting that tip you gave that I think is a, a great tip um, that the warm up is nice to do inside to get to that like kind of sweaty ish point, warming up your body and then, you know, hit it outside. Because yeah, it's not particularly pleasant if it is minus 10, minus 20 outside and you're really cold coming from inside and you then spend five, 10 minutes doing a warm up. It's going to be pretty miserable. So, yes, take it inside, whether that is doing some movements in your in your home, in your apartment or running the stairs of your apartment or a basement stairs. But just do what movement you can inside to get your muscles warm, to get that temperature up a little bit. Like you said, get your get a little bit of a sweat on and get out the door. Don't don't delay, get out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You hear you heard it here, people. <laughs> I want to see you implement that and hear from you guys that how that works out for you. No, because I really think that's a great tip. Um Okay, so you are an online running trainer and nutrition coach, and that's a very interesting aspect. Can you please share like challenges if you feel that there are to being an online coach, you know, teaching in online format and what they are and please share like your coaching style? Hmm, yeah, so I... It actually never even occurred to me to do in-person coaching. When I started my coaching practice, I was on Vancouver Island in Victoria, and I wanted to be able to connect with runners throughout North America, not necessarily just the few that lived within an hour, not an hour, a couple of miles of where I lived, or was accessible to, to all meet. So it was always, I was going to do it online. I've only worked with one person in person, and that was as part of my qualification. I had to meet with this individual at least once a week and run with them. And it was a really good experience to, yeah, run with someone else and coach them as we are running. And um, so as challenges mentally or physically came up, it was easy to straight away nip it in the bud or discuss what was going on and get it get over it, if you will, in the nicest way possible. Um, so I've only ever coached one person in person. But online, I have got such a good relationship with my clients. I communicate with them, if not daily, every two days, maybe. So I, I've i got a, um, a dashboard that I use to track all of their runs. They put their... Um, GPS data in after each run. I'll then analyze how it went. I'll then reach out to them 
using uh, an app that I've got, ask them how they felt, how did, how did they feel mentally, how did they feel physically, and we will we we talk so much, um, and I have two calls a month with them, so I feel as though I I am with them a lot of the time because I'm hearing how they felt before the run, during the run, after the run. We talk at length in terms of their nutrition, their mindset, their running goals. So although I'm not there in person, we do have really strong relationships and communication is absolutely key. One challenge, though, that would be beneficial to see them in person is to see their form, to see their posture. It's easy when you're running with someone else to be you're clearly tired, aren't you? Because you're starting to slump. And then, yep, I am tired. And, and then you can straight away fix it. Whereas for my clients, because I'm not there physically to see them running, I have to go on the the data from their watch, asking them how they felt, asking them if any challenges, any aches and pains, and kind of do a bit of investigative work on, okay, so you had an ache here. Okay, I, were you running on this side of the road or that side of the road? Were you and I, I'm a bit of a detective to try to figure <laughs> out what went wrong? But then a lot of the time, if I suspect that there might be a challenge with their form or um, just want to see how they're running, I get them to send me a video of whether they're running on a treadmill. I get a couple of minutes clip to see how they're running. Or I ask them to get a loved one to to film them as they run around a park or in front of their house, just so then I can get an idea of, okay, well, that's where their foot is landing on the ground. Okay, that could then cause problems here. They're swinging their arms too much across their front. Like I kind of just use that to then determine whether or not there's anything we want to consider changing. Because running is one of those things that you... You don't get taught how to properly run, just like you don't get taught how to properly walk. You just start walking or you start running. So a lot of people run however they've been running for a long time and and it might be completely fine and they have no injuries from it. But sometimes runners aren't running in a way that stops injuries. So it's kind of just looking to see what's there, what could we change, what do we want to just leave as it is. So that's really the the kind of main challenge is just not being able to see them for every single run. But like I said, I communicate a lot with them and we're pretty open with how they're feeling and, and where we're going to take them on their next runs. And yeah, but if I can see them in person, I do. I like to go and cheer them on at local races if if that's possible. Oh. Um, but yeah. Well, I really, you know, um, respect your honesty because that's a, a a great perspective to have, you know, on the online versus in person and how you make adjustments and, you know, just goes to show that anything's possible. You know, you don't have to say like, if you're running, like, I can't find a running coach in my area, so I can't run. No, that's not true. Like, you know, um, you're a great example of how you can find a coach and that person could have like methods of helping you, you know, um, regardless of yeah. being directly with you or not. That's a really good point because yes, there are so many 
options these days like yeah if there's not a run club close to you but you want to learn more about running nutrition mindset how it all works together there are options and you're not alone and even though all of my athletes run solo they're they're fully supported and and they're not left out in the cold if you will like it's just yeah they're they're getting all the the information that they need they're they're not going without but um yeah like if if a group setting is something that you prefer then absolutely like search out run clubs in your your area um it might be a free club it might be a paid um, membership but just find what works best for you there are so many so many options well now you offer people so much right you know like uh, i just think you're um just a, a very thoughtful amazing coach and mm-hmm. woman and <laughs> so you know what though is rewarding to you for being a coach you know it's it's very obvious the rewards you offer others but what do you get out of it it brings me so much joy other people achieving goals that they perhaps didn't even think they could possibly achieve. I love it when clients realize that they can do things. Like, for example, I've got a client right now who, when we did an initial consultation to see if we'd be a good fit, if uh, my, my coaching was what she was after, she was like, I don't really want to do hills. There's not hills in the, the route that I'm running for the race. I'm not really interested in that. She did three hills a couple of weeks ago and felt amazing afterwards. Oh. Yes, she had struggles throughout. This was the very first time that she'd done hills before. So yes, she had challenges. But at the end of her voice note to me, she's like, yeah, I'm doing that again. And had I not put them on that training plan for her as a, let's let's see how you get on. Like the hills are great because they help build endurance, they build, help, help build strength, they help mentally. Let's, let's try. And if you don't like them, we don't have to do them again. But just the fact that she felt so good and was like, yeah, no doubt about it, I'm, I'm doing more. Or the client that never thought they would get up to 5K and was purely just wanting to run to feel mentally good, have time for herself to do what she wants to do in a, in a very busy schedule. She's now surpassed the 5K and we're on to the 10K. Like it's when clients just have that, uh, that light bulb moment where like, yeah, I can achieve these things. I am a runner. I am doing things that I never thought possible. That fills my cup up. I, it just, gives me goose pimples and I just feel amazing when other people are achieving things big or small it's just oh yes Uh, love it I love that you said that big or small too Mm -hmm. that's really cool like you know that you recognize the small achievements are just as you know cool as the big achievements that's yeah because it's not just oh i run a marathon today and I did it in X time. It's the client that worked their way up from walk 90 seconds, run 30 seconds to now running continuous. And that realization that 
over however many weeks, she persevered, she kept going, she showed up consistently, and now she's running continuous. It's it's all of those small things that then lead up to these big things. And you got to celebrate the small things because if you're waiting for that one big thing, and what if that one big thing doesn't happen or doesn't go the way you want it to go, you're going to be sad. So celebrate all those small wins all the way through your training cycle. And I'm, I celebrate them with it. <laughs> I'm all about the, the sending the, the fancy um, pictures and, and gifts and all of that to them. And yeah, I celebrate every single small win with them. I love that. That's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so, okay. So could you share your top three, I know you have like tons of great nutritional tips and training tips, but could you share what you consider be like your top three nuggets of tips for running and your top three nutritional tips? I certainly can. I guess for both, um, I may be cheating a little bit, but for both running tip and nutrition tip, listen to your body. You are the expert in your body. Yes, we've got trackers. Yes, we've got data. But I want you to listen to your body. How's your breathing? How's your heart rate? How do your legs feel? How do your arms feel? How do your lungs feel? Listen to your body. Your body is giving you so much data. So yes, the tracker, your GPS tracker, your Garmin, your Apple, whatever you're using, Yes, that is giving you pace, splits, times, heart rate, all of this stuff. But it means nothing if you're not listening, truly listening to how your body is. If you're aiming for times on your watch, but your breathing is so much heavier than what it should be for that run type, then you're not getting the best out of that run. So listen to your body. That is the most important thing. Ignore what your watch is saying. Listen to your body. And same goes for nutrition as well. Our bodies are giving us signs every single minute of every single day. And it's we've kind of become conditioned to not listen to it. Um, but one of the things that I regularly kind of work with my clients on is in terms of your nutrition, your body is sending you signs all the time. So let's, as an example, if if you've not run, if you've not had a glass of water or you're going into your run dehydrated, then on your run you might get a headache, you might feel a little dizzy, you might feel like you're lacking in energy. If you have water before your run, you're not gonna have any of these symptoms. <laughs> if you've not eaten before your run, whether that's a snack or a meal, you might feel like you're lacking in energy, you might have heavy legs. You might be mentally just not feeling good because you're maybe running a little bit slower or maybe before your run, you did eat something, but you ate quite a lot. Maybe it's then sitting really heavy in your stomach and you need to, like you, you feel like you're going to puke or you need to rush to the bathroom or maybe it's just making you feel like you're running through molasses and you're not feeling good. All of this is listening to your body and determining what works for you in terms of pre-run fuel and hydration. 
it's just listening to those signs. Like in theory, you should be going out for your run and feeling amazing. You should feel good. If you're not feeling good, then it's likely due to fueling and your hydration. But there's a lot of other things to consider as well. It's like sleep, your menstrual cycle, stress. But ultimately, if you're not fueling right before your run, then it can have such a knock-on effect to how you feel physically and mentally. So I know you asked for three for running and three for nutrition, but they are my absolute key. Listen to your body for both of them is my number one. And I feel like I need to get it tattooed on my body because I say (laughs) these three words more than I probably say any other words throughout the day. Listen, no, that's four words. Listen to your body. Um, because yeah, your body is giving you all these signs, these these data points. But if you're lost in your music or a podcast and you're just focusing on your watch and you're not then thinking about what you need to do before your run, during your run, after your run to have your body feeling good, to have it recover well for your next run, then yeah, it's it's not going to work. Well, you know what? If you believe that strongly in that, scrap the top three. You don't have, there's no (laughs) defining top three. (laughs) If that's what it is, that's what it is. So, and, and and that makes total sense. Uh, Honestly, I I really agree with that. Um, that, that makes so much sense when it comes down to things, if you really trace it back, and you're honest about it, you know, it's it, it's not what you might want to blame something on. It's most likely you're ignoring your own intuition yourself, what your body's mm-hmm. trying to tell you. So, yeah, I'm with my clients. I ask them how they felt. And I'm the like I said, I'm the detective. I I ask them the questions and then I'm like, well, what did you eat beforehand? How did you sleep before your like the run and I, I'm kind of getting all this data from them. But if you're if you don't have a coach, if you're doing this solo, then keep a notebook of all of the things that you did prior to your run, during your run, after your run. How did you feel physically? How did you feel mentally? Is your uh, your GPS tracker telling you all that you want to know in terms of the data? But is your body not in alignment with that? Like get a notebook or an app on your phone and track all of this stuff because this is this is gold. This is the data that you want to listen to and use to get yourself 1% better tomorrow. That's it. Oh, I love that too. 1% better. <laughs> then it's not so overwhelming. I think that's a great way of looking at it, you know, focusing on that instead of something like outrageous. Uh, so, okay. So, you have gone in succession yourself and mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, that's, I'm guessing like, you know, that's the way you would follow with tr- the training that you do too. So if you're aiming for, let's say like a 5k, a 10k, a half marathon, a marathon, what is like a key difference in tackling each of those and, and, and not just from like an obvious point that one's longer than the other. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, that's what I was gonna say. No. <laughs> so yeah, that is the I guess the the standard, the, na- the natural 
progression. You do a 5K race, you do a 10K race, you do a half marathon, you then do a marathon, but you don't have to. Like if you don't want to run a 5K and a 10K, but you want to get to the half marathon distance, then that's totally fine. You do not have to do each uh, as they come, you can mix and match, you can have different goals. So it really, it's it's what I did. And I think a lot of people do it that way, but it's, it's really up to you. But a lot of factors come into play for all of the different distances. And um, if we are talking about somebody brand new to each of the distances, like what I was doing, so I did the 5k, 10, so on, so on. I wasn't really bothered about pace because no matter what I got at that race, it was a personal best because I've never run it before. So if we come from that lane, the 5K really is the opportunity to start believing in yourself. You likely will have built up from doing a lot of walking to do a lot more running. You might still have walk-run breaks, but the majority of the time I see for the 5k distance is starting to believe in yourself as a runner and that this is a new identity for you. And that's that's typically it. Like there's a lot of different variables depending on where you're coming to that distance from. But if we're talking to someone brand new, it's just believing in yourself. The 10k, if you've gone from the 5k to the 10k, you'll likely have a few new run types included in your training plan. Whereas for the 5K, it was likely you were running all of them as a steady. You were just consistently just just running easy. The 10K, you might then incorporate hills. You might do speed work. You might do long, slow distances. So there'll be a little bit more variety when it comes to your runs. For the half marathon, there's no doubt about it. You will have variety to your runs. You will typically, (laughs) typically a training plan, or if you're working with myself, there will be a lot more variety in those runs. You'll be um, typically incorporating run um, run types that help set you up for success for that race. So if the race is very hilly, then you'll have more hills in your training plan. Um, whatever it, it is, it's likely to incorporate more. But during your run, nutrition is also a key part of your half marathon training. You need to fuel during your run because what you've eaten prior to your run is not necessarily going to fuel you if you're running for two, three, four hours, whatever that is. You need to have fueling during your run. So that's when gels, gummies, small whole food items that you can eat throughout just to top up your glycogen stores that are getting burnt off when you're running. And then coming back to, well, coming to the marathon, it's almost coming back to the, the 5K, the belief. A marathon is a lot more mental. It, yes, you've got your run types. Yes, you've got a lot more fueling during your runs. But I think running a marathon is so mental because your mind is constantly telling you, what are you doing? Why are you running for three hours on a Sunday morning? (laughs) So it's just training that brain to get it into a a space where it's working for you rather than working against you. But yes, your long runs will be very long. You'll likely be running for hours on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning, whenever, whenever works for you. 
That's so fascinating. And I never thought about that. It's almost like a aha, um, because you, you nailed it. Your 5k is just like a marathon. And I never considered them so similar mm-hmm. in that way, where the mental aspect really comes into play for like different reasons, yet kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I love that's just, ah, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so okay with all the runs you've done right so Mm -hmm. what was the most fun run you've done and why and not necessarily again like um just because it was a certain length like that's not what made it your favorite you know like oh i did the marathon and because i achieved a marathon that's my favorite like that type of thing aside what's been your most fun run most fun. Mm. There's a lot that come to mind, and it's not necessarily because they're fun. So let me think of one. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's some that I have run, and I never thought I would get the opportunity to do that, or it was an experience because it was the first time doing that distance, or um, it was more of an event rather than like the seaweeds. That's yes, it's a run, but it's. You've got all of the other things that it's an experience. I actually I love think that then go for that. Like forget uh, what I said. <laughs> no, but there are, and I think again, it's everybody has different experiences on their runs. Like I, I did the virtual Boston Marathon a couple of years ago last year. Yeah, last actually this time last year, and I ran loops, five key loops around my house, and it was mentally challenging, but it just brought me so much joy in doing it. The Seawees or Walt Disney World Marathon, they are experiences. They are way more than just running a race. It's the the expo, the events, the the fun, the cheering. The, there's so much to, to, to both of those. I would say Seawees Half Marathon and the Walt Disney World Marathon are on par with the fun factor. But then also, yeah, just all my first 5K, my first 10K, my first half marathon, my first marathon, because for each of those, I never thought I would achieve. Never my wildest dream. 10 years ago, Jillian would not have even thought that she could run a kilometer. So the fact that I did that and I've done the many times, the first one is just so special for me. Um, but yeah, it's... Races are one of those things in life that is hard to explain. And unless you race, it's hard to get across that that buzz, that excitement. So my recommendation is always pick a race that means something to you, whether that is a location that you went to every summer with your family or that it's, a, a, I don't know, a place you've always wanted to visit like pick a race that means something to you because then it's just going to elevate that experience so much more than if you just well I'm just going to do that 5k race down the road like it's 50 bucks (laughs) it's fine find something that just lights you up because that's then also then going to help get you out the door when you don't want to run if that race is special if it is a bucket list race if that is something you never thought you'd be able to do, get that. That's what's going to help get you at the door. I mean, you don't want to run when it's snowy, when it's cold. 
just find something that's really fun. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful too. Okay, so you were saying comparing to the Jillian 10 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So what's coming up for you? What what do you what do you have going on um for 2023 in terms of personal, in terms of coaching? Well, it's funny because had you asked me that question two months ago, my answer would have been completely different. <laughs> I, for the majority of this year, I have been running for pleasure. I've not been running to do any in-person races or virtual races. It's purely just for fun. But 2023, I've, I want to do an ultra. I want to run ultra. I Kick don't ass. Know. I don't know where this came from. It has been something that just came the last, I don't know, month, six weeks ago. But there's something that's calling me to a distance longer than a marathon. And I wonder if it's because it's this brand new challenge. It's not a distance that I've ever tackled before. And again, Jillian of 10 years never thought I would have done a 50k or a 60k because let's let's keep it realistic to begin with. Let, let's not go in with a 125 miler. Like let's, <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's just keep it small. Um, so yeah, that's that's my personal goal for next year is to run an ultra, like I said, about 50 or 60k. And similar to how the coaching started in the first place. I have signed up to do an ultra certification. So then I am educating myself on how to train properly in doing an ultra, how to create my training plan, how to do all of this. So then I can then offer it to clients in the future as well. So it just, it, it love it. Paying it funny, forward. It's funny how it's just exactly the same happening um, just years later. And then in terms of the business, um, I've got a lot of fun things planned for 2023. And this will be my second full year working self-employed as a running coach. Um, But I'm kicking off the year with a movement challenge. It's to help to help people get outside when it is a month that is typically pretty gloomy. We just want to hibernate. We want to be sofa slugs. So it's... um, 31 day challenge. So every day of January, moving your body for 31 minutes, because I love the the idea of just doing one more. So rather than doing 30 minutes, it's 31 minutes. So we're pushing ourselves that little bit extra every day. All right. And ultimately it's to get to the 1st of February, knowing that you've banked 31 days of movement, that you are showing up for yourself in a month that typically you might not have to get to the point where you can then go off and start training for your spring or your summer race. But it's to get you feeling good physically and mentally throughout the whole month of January. There will be challenges. There will be accountability groups. There will be free coaching from me. There will be webinars. There's going to be so much packed into 31 days. It's going to be so fun. So that, that's the king of the year. Yay! <laughs> Well, I'm going to sign up for it, actually, because you you just inspired me. You know, I was kind of like, uh, I have some things in mind, but like this sounds so cool. I have to do it. And you're so fun. Again, I just I'd love to sign up and, um, you know, try the challenge. So, yeah, well, and it's for all levels. Obviously, I'm a running coach. So 
running is my jam, but if you're not running yet, maybe you want to commit to walking every day and maybe um, maybe you then add in some yoga or maybe you try running. Like it's It really is showing up where you currently are at in terms of your fitness level and just using that as your base. So it's all levels welcome, whether you've got a goal for 2023 or whether you don't. It's just committing with this really supportive group to help keep you accountable, cheering each other on and just act as that starting off point from then whatever you want to achieve next year. You've banked those 31 days of moving your body. That is awesome. I like the 31. I was curious when you first said 31, I was like, 31, that's interesting, the odd number. And and it's so cool. (laughs) So it's 3131, your January movement accountability challenge. So it's 31 days moving for 31 minutes per day. I love it. Yay. (laughs) Well, this time has just flown by. So of course I, I can't not wait what, you know, have to have to have you on the show again next year for sure. Uh, it has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. I love chatting to you. And yeah, it's been uh, wonderful. Yay. Thank you. Well, to find out more about coach G and sign up for her weekly insight shares, go to www dot g-m-a-c-s-p-u-r-r dot com and check out her IG page featuring posts and reels loaded with tips and inspiring messages. And that's at gmaxbrewer underscore coaching. Thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today, Coach G. Rock on.